Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. What you got, buddy? I found a mushroom, and now I just... Last year, I recorded this video, out mushroom hunting with my kid. I found a melon mushroom all by myself when my dad was gone getting the camera. Last spring, we were super excited because we found a small patch of morel mushrooms on the property. We went out and uh, picked them, we were making a video about it. We were really excited. Morel mushrooms are delicious. And we had already, in years previous, gone morel mushroom hunting. And we had been successful and enjoyed morels. Oh, look, it just pulled out. Oh, you got another? Show the camera. I pulled one out. I was going to cut it, though. But as soon as this one slid out. I'm really excited about this. We haven't found morels on the property yet. And this is a big win. We're going to keep looking. This was all so really exciting until a few minutes later when something kind of scary happened. I talk about it in a recent video that I made on a YouTube channel. So like five, ten minutes after we eat, my son tells Kay, my stomach hurts. I'm like, oh no. I'm already a bit of a worry ward as it is. And so eating wild mushrooms makes me a little nervous. And then all of a sudden my son eats some morels and his stomach hurts. And I'm thinking, could I, I know there's such a thing as a false morel. Did I make a mistake? Now we don't have the mushroom anymore. We just ate them all. We can't even look at the mushroom to see. I go back to the pictures I had taken. I had posted a picture on Instagram. And uh, my friend, the foraging beard on Instagram, Jared, had already commented that they looked like half-free morels, which are different than morels. They are edible, uh, but they're a little bit different. And they're also a little bit more like the false morels. And so now I'm panicking. Did we wind up getting false morels? False morels are poisonous. So now I like broke out into a cold sweat thinking I've just poisoned my whole family. And for the next day and a half, I'm reading stuff online and I'm just worried. And it was an awful experience. So bad. Fortunately, I mean, nothing happened. Everybody was fine. And uh, they were half-free morels, which are edible. But that whole experience was just marred by that feeling that I had made a mistake and I could have endangered my family. So much so that I couldn't even make the video last year. I couldn't even deal with that idea.
That excerpt is from a video off of our YouTube channel, which we made this year, just reminding you to double and triple check anytime you go out foraging. Even if you have experience, just make sure you know what you're picking. But what if you don't have any experience foraging? What if you're brand new, pretty much like me? I mean, I'm pretty green with this. Well, we have a great show for you today. We got Jared, the foraging beard, the guy who helped me stop worrying so much about the plants that I had picked on this episode of Homesteady, and he's going to help explain how we can get into foraging without killing our family, which is always a good thing. So let's get into it. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. We can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homestead. So, how do this you This is start? a recording of a live stream that we had on the Homesteady YouTube channel. Search Homesteady in YouTube to follow us. You can join us for these live streams that we have. Jared joined us to discuss this topic, how to forage without killing your family. Well, first of all, like you called me an expert. I kind of cringe at that. Uh, I would prefer enthusiast or uh, like uh, extreme hobbyist <laughs> doing this for about four years, but it's almost like a full-time job for me. Jared addressed this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Before we get into today's topic, this is for entertainment and educational purposes. This is not a podcast that you can use to help you identify wild edibles. And like we warned at the beginning, if you decide to go foraging, make sure that you have three sources to confirm what you found. This is not one of those sources. And Jared, although he is an extreme hobbyist, reminds you that he is not an expert. That said, this guy spends multiple days a week in the woods eating wild edibles. And he has not yet killed his family. So you might be asking yourself, how does a dad have the ability to spend that much time in the woods foraging every week? Uh, well, about four years ago, I became a stay-at-home dad uh, when my wife went into her medical residency. She told me just learn whatever I wanted to, get into whatever I wanted to, and, and it kind of fed into this. We just got a new... Jared decided he wanted to dive into the homesteading life. And we started with, we have six chickens. Six. Jared's farm is called White House Farms. And so, of course, he named his six chickens after, you guessed it. First ladies. What better honor could there be for a first lady of the United States of America than to have a chicken named after you? In addition to the chickens, Jared has bees. He does a lot of experimenting in charcuterie. Within five to 10 years, we're hoping to have a little bit of land and, and get into some, some more animals and things. But the bulk of the time Jared spends living a homesteady life is spent foraging. How did you get into foraging and you're still here four years later to talk about it? <laughs> so it, it was really photography. Photography's always been my, my number one hobby. Jared loved taking pictures. He found himself in the woods, snapping photos 
of the beautiful plants and animals that he saw. And when I was taking pictures, I would always be in the woods. And of course, there'd be a mushroom or there'd be a plant. And I'd have to go home and I'd have to figure out what that plant was. Because when I'd show my picture, I would like to have an actual, you know, the scientific name for what I was seeing. So in that research, I discovered that a lot of these things are edible. You know, there's food out there. And it's free. So that's, that's kind of where it led. Jared started with the easier plants. I started bringing home ramps and, and then it went into mushrooms and uh, just kind of went crazy from there. Since then, Jared has started an Instagram account under the name The Foraging Beard. One of his most recent posts is about a mushroom referred to lovingly as the vomiter. Go look that one up and see why they call it that. So it really was me and the internet at first. If you find a red berry, you literally can Google red berry and look at pictures and pick out the picture and then you know you can you can get the scientific name and find all the characteristics that you need. Facebook is actually great. There there it sounds weird, but there's a lot of foraging groups on Facebook and you can post your own pictures and you can just inundate your feed with foraging identification, uh, plant ID, mushroom ID. And then you can tiptoe into learning the mushrooms you know and start IDing for yourself. So that's kind of how I started. The internet is a fantastic source of information. But as Jared brings out, it's important to have more than one source. Because as we know, not everything you read on the internet is true. Obviously, I've got a, I got a stack of books next to me here. Mushrooms Demystified is the, the tome for the mushroomer. I always carry around the, the Audubon field guide as well. Those are always good go-to field guides. You're not going to carry that giant book around, but uh, <laughs> the Audubon guide is good. Yeah, that's the microphone. You like that? He just wanted to podcast. Foraging is an idea that comes contrary to years and years of learned behavior. Just as I was working on this episode, my one-year-old toddled into the room. He has this bad habit of putting every single thing he finds right into his mouth. And we're constantly having to jump up quick and grab things like Legos out of his hands so that he doesn't try to eat them. From a very young age, we're taught the things you find, no, they're not edible. That is until we begin to dive into this world of foraging and suddenly start to question, hmm, is this edible? What about this? And when we find something that seems like it could be edible and we look online and we see, yes, it is, and we double check in the book, look, that's edible. And then we decide to take a bite. That's when we panic. That learned behavior from the age of one years old that our parents struggled so hard to ingrain in us it comes flooding back. So if you're going to try to unlearn that behavior that your parents had been drilling into you and you want to get into foraging, where's an easy and safe place to start? The same place that Jared started. The onions are the easiest ones. If it smells like an onion or garlic, you're going to be safe eating it. Ramps are the, the number one spring. It's the first thing that hits the woods in the springtime that you want to go out and gather. 
you know, you, you, you pick that, you walk into a ramp patch and it, it, you start stepping on them. And you're just <laughs> going to be inundated by, with, with this garlic onion scent. It's, it's hard to get past. It's hard to mess up with ramps unless you're, like I said, unless you're picking really fast. I've filled giant baskets with ramps. You check each one as you're putting it in your basket and you know, you know what you're doing. It's, it, there's nothing really like it. It's, I, I would say it's the best onion, but it only lasts for about a month once they, once they start growing. Allium trichocum is the, is the scientific term for it. So, This is something you'll learn from Jared's Instagram feed. Every, every picture, he's got the scientific name there, which is pretty cool. So there's, there's local names for a lot of all these things. But oh. If you stick to the scientific names, you know, you're going to be safe there. In all of Jared's Instagram posts, you'll find the scientific name. And it's important because you want to know what specifically are you talking about? Is it a wild leek? Is it a wood leek or wild garlic? Is it a spring onion? Is it a ramp? Those are all the same things. People just use different names for them. If you call it Allium trichocum, well, you know that's exactly what you're talking about. This gets a lot more important for mushrooms because with mushrooms, there's all sorts of different names. For example, you have hen of the woods and you have chicken of the woods. Is that the same mushroom? No, it's two different mushrooms. But then get this, hen of the woods, ram's head, and sheep's head? Well, those are all the same mushroom, but make sure not to confuse the sheep's head mushroom with the sheep's foot mushroom. You can see why it's so important to call the mushroom or plant for that matter by its scientific name. And that's why, although it's much cooler to call it the vomiter, chlorophyllum molybdites, molybdites, pretty sure I butchered that, is the name that Jared posts first when sharing a picture of the vomitor on Instagram. And I'm telling you, you gotta go and check that one out. Just search Foraging Beard in Instagram. So what do you primarily forage for now, Jared? When you're out in the woods, what are you looking for most of the time? Well, right now it's morels, of course, but I'm, I'm primarily a mushroom guy. They, they just go through different seasons. Obviously, there's berries out there. You can pick your fill of raspberries and blackberries and, and wild apples, and, and you can find pears out there. Primarily, I, I really like mushrooms. It's challenging. I don't get into any scary areas with it. If, if you stick to the ones that don't have any poisonous lookalikes, you're going to be okay. What's the favorite season you look forward to? What's your favorite find? Midsummer is fantastic. Chanterelles come out in July-ish, in my area anyway. And it's just a carpet of orange in the forest and it's, it's beautiful and they, they smell like apricots. There's really no flavor like a chanterelle. Perfection, the best mushroom you've ever had. Hashtag perfect breakfast. This is the way chanterelles are described by people online, on Instagram, and on their food blogs. 
One blogger said, I ate so many chanterelles that I dreamed of flamingos and wondered if my skin was going to change color. I sauteed my chanterelles in wine. I sauteed them in butter, teriyaki sauce, peach syrup. I sauteed them in ecstasy, in rapture, bliss to the core of my being. Come on, food bloggers. I'm just saying. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Chanterelles aren't the only wild edible that Jared looks forward to finding. There's all kinds of wild edibles out there. And according to Jared, if you want to find them, you just got to put in the time. Do you find the area, you know, Pennsylvania where you live, is it a particularly good area or is it just you put in your time and learned or maybe a mix of both? Yeah, I was going to say it's probably time. I mean, if you're looking at my Instagram feed, I'm a stay-at-home dad, but I also have two teenagers, so they don't need a lot of supervision. So I'm in the woods several times a week, at least. It's just literally just crawling around the woods. You're going to stumble upon a morel. But if you if you are a full-time job and you're going out for a couple hours in the evening, unless you actually know where the morels are, you're just you're just not going to find a whole lot. I don't even find a whole lot. You know, I'm still working on my morel spots. I'm collecting those areas. You have to find yeah. a, an old morel hunter on their deathbed and get in <laughs> them and they'll give you your spots. Otherwise you just scramble around the woods until you, until you run into, good, into a good spot. Is there like a um, e-harmony for old morel hunters? <laughs> there should be. <laughs> you'll put in the time, the forest is full of these free treasures. But you got to be careful because along with the delicious treasures you're going to find in the wild edibles, there's dangerous plants too. And when we come back from a quick word from our sponsors, we'll talk about one of the scariest moments in Jared's wild edible adventures. I took a bite and as soon as it went down, I was like, I just ate a death cap. Hear that story when we come back in a moment. Foraging is a fantastic way to put incredibly fresh ingredients on your kitchen counter to work with. However, we don't all have the time to go foraging through the woods looking for fresh ingredients. And that's why it's so nice to have HelloFresh as an option for getting the freshest ingredients to your kitchen counter without having to hook up with a mushroom forager on his deathbed. This episode of Home Study is brought to you by HelloFresh. 
They believe that everyone deserves to eat honest, real, healthy food. Kind of like the stuff we can find in the forest. But this food is delivered to your doorstep in an insulated, recyclable box for free. Recently, I got to try Hello Fresh out. Now, I am not very good in the kitchen, as you guys probably already know. I was very impressed by how easily I was able to put a meal for my family together. And that's because HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that is designed to make cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each of the recipes has step-by-step -step instructions that are designed to take around 30 minutes for anyone from a novice like myself to a seasoned home cook that just is short on time. The ingredients are fresh and they're measured to the exact quantities, so there's no food waste, which is awesome. I'm afraid the pigs aren't going to get much slop from these meals. If you're like me and cooking is not a strength, but you want to get better, maybe make it a skill of yours, well, HelloFresh is a great way to do it. You'll be given all the ingredients you need in the right amount so you don't have to go searching around for things and trying to figure out how much to use. And you can focus on actually figuring out how to cook, which is a really good life skill to have, especially for someone homesteady who's going to be growing farm-fresh ingredients and harvesting from their own land. HelloFresh offers a classic box, a veggie box, or a family box. They now have a meal plan that's just $30. That's less than $10 per meal. If you want to give HelloFresh a try, we have a special offer for you. Use promo code HOMESTEADY30 at checkout, and you get $30 off your first order. So visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code HOMESTEADY30. comes that point in every new forager's life where they think that they may have just poisoned themselves. For me, that happens every single time I take a bite of something I foraged. I asked Jared if he'd ever had that experience. Honestly, when you, when you try a new mushroom, that's going to be the scariest thing. Just like you experience. You're going to yeah. get that, like, as soon as you take that first swallow, you're, you're going to be, oh my gosh, was that, you're going to be running through the minds of your mind everything that could have been. Um, I, I ate some lactarius, or no, I'm sorry, they were they were russulas, and they had kind of a, a yellow cap, um, and I knew they were edible. I, I keyed it out. I knew what they were, but it was the first time I ate them. Threw them in the pan with a little butter. I was feeling all right. I took a bite, and as soon as it went down, I was like, I just ate a death cap. Amanita phylloids, don't know if I pronounced that right, more commonly known as the death cap, is a deadly poisonous fungus. These toxic mushrooms resemble several edible species that are commonly consumed by humans, and yet it's one of the most poisonous of all known toadstools. And that's why it has been involved in the majority of human deaths from mushroom poisoning. It's estimated that as little as half a mushroom contains enough toxin to kill an adult human. It's rumored that Roman Emperor Claudius was murdered using the poison from a death cap. A mushroom that's killed more people than any other, powerful enough to take down a Roman emperor. You can see why Jared started to worry when he thought he may have taken a bite of one of these. 
I was feeling all right. I took a bite, and as soon as it went down, I was like, I just ate a death cap. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was convinced <laughs> that it wasn't what I ate, but I had done my homework and I knew what it was. I didn't feed those to my family. If you do your homework, um, if you if you're sure of what you have, and you're going to be fine. But if if you're in doubt, throw it out. You got a pretty good life insurance policy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Jared, for those people out there who are watching, who are listening, who would like to get into foraging, right? They like the idea of walking through the woods and looking for something to eat and enjoying that time out. That's one of the things I like is it just an excuse to get out into the woods. What is the right method to go about before you start walking out, picking things up and biting them? What's the right process about learning and getting into foraging? I would say, you know, use your, your curiosity. If something looks like food, bring it home or, or just take a picture in the field and do the, do the research. It might actually be food or it could be poison. You know, <laughs> if you're curious about something, research it. I mean, that, that's really my goal with my Instagram. And I, I just started doing videos on YouTube. Um, it is more of, of an encouragement to, to go learn, um, inspire people to learn rather than major education here. So if it looks like food, you know, a lot of, our, our food came from nature. You're not going to find Brussels sprouts in the, in the woods, but you can find garlic mustard or something equivalent. And there's, there's a lot of edible things. There's a lot of things you can, you can get into trouble with. And this is a great point that Jared shares with us. When you're learning about what you can eat in the woods, also make sure to spend some time learning what you can't eat. Yeah, learn, learn some poisonous ones and learn, learn the, the good edibles. Don't just focus on, on the edibles. Uh, why should someone spend time learning about both? Well, when, when you're looking at my Instagram, you're seeing me learning as well a lot of times. Most of it, yeah. you know, the, a lot of it is pictures of, you know, oh, look, I found another morel today or things like that. But I will also come across things. Um, I was in a, a ramp patch a couple weeks ago and I came across some false hellebore. And they look similar to the untrained eye. You know, it's a big green leafy vegetable looking thing. It, it's beautiful, um, but it is very toxic. And it was growing right next to a bunch of ramps. Um, so if you're whipping through that ramp patch and you grab one of those leaves and throw it in your basket, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a rough time. So wow. Just being mindful of of toxic plants that could be growing right next to what you're picking um, is is very valuable. Know your, uh, know your enemy. <laughs> know your lookalikes, yeah. Lily of the Valley is really the, the biggest lookalike for, for ramps. Uh, ramps have a broad leaf. They don't look like a normal onion, but they're going to have two leaves. They're going to have two to three leaves, a reddish stem. The biggest indicator is it smells like an onion. A Lily of the Valley isn't going to smell like an onion. You wrote a really great blog article on uh, our website, thisishomesteady.com, about the fantastic, fantastic, yeah. story. no, that's the comic book. <laughs> full, <laughs> proof. Full proof for it. <laughs> so yeah. 
that the next step into mushrooms, going for the full yeah, Going into mushrooms, start with morels. That's always the gateway. They're delicious, but they're they are elusive. Morels like like you you had your run in with the half free morel. Now the rule of thumb with morels, they are hollow all the way through. Chop one down and you look in it, it's it's gonna be completely hollow. The false morels, like the verpas, which could have been what you were concerned about. Um, right. They'll have a cottony interior or the gyromitras, those are also false morels. Those will have a chambered kind of gnarly looking stock and the morels will, they're just completely hollow. Find a yeah. picture of a, of a morel, Morcella excellenta, and stick to that. Yeah, you know, that's stick to the classic representations of everything yeah. else, toss or leave it in the woods. The foolproof four, the other ones, did you mention the rest of those yet, Jared? So the other foolproof four? So we got morels, uh, chicken of the woods is another one. That, that'll that start late spring into summer in my area. And that runs through midsummer. You can find a lot of those. It's, it's a bright orange shelf mushroom. Latiparus sulfurius is the most common. So it'll be bright orange and it'll be grown directly on wood. On the underside, the pore surface, they're not gilled, they've got pores it's gonna be this sulfur yellow. There's also another variety, Latiparus cincinnatus, which is a white poured chicken of the woods. I prefer that one. It, it seems to be more like a, they, they actually taste like chicken. It's got a more of a chicken texture. They usually come out thicker and have like this big rosette as opposed to shelves on, on a um, log. So the other one that one that you haven't mentioned yet that I remembered, probably I would think the easiest mushroom in the world to identify is that puffball, right? Yep, giant puffballs. Let's hear about the puffball. Uh, well, those will you'll find those in grass sometimes in people's yards, and it's just it, it looks like a big soccer ball or like a, a white balloon just laying there. It's large and it's a white ball. What you'll the only real concern with those is you got to make sure they're white all the way through. So you, you slice down the middle. If it's got any graying or greening or yellowing in the middle, just just toss it. It's not really worth it. I'm not a huge fan of the puffballs, but people love them. So you know you can you can say it's really cool to to bring it home. It's like the size of a basketball. Sometimes you can make pizza crusts and stuff out of them. They're they're fun. I just don't think they taste that great, <laughs> in my opinion. The last of the foolproof four, you'll remember. The chanterelle. I sauteed them Teriyaki in butter, sauce. peach syrup. I sauteed them in ecstasy. Ugh, easy. Chanterelles is the other one of the foolproof four. Right, and you said that was your favorite, right? Um, yeah, I, I think mostly because I find so many. I still have probably two gallon bags in my in my freezer that I, we haven't gone through. We just make soup out of it. This this there's this cream. Uh, creamy mushroom soup that's the best. My wife loves it. It's her favorite mushroom too. So that's probably why I get so excited about it because it's one mushroom where she's like, yay, he's bringing home mushrooms. The chanterelles are this smallish, um, they can get large, but usually you'll find them small, maybe two inches of uh, diameter of the cap. They're bright orange. If you rip them in half, they kind of peel like string cheese. The inside of the stalk is going to be white and not orange, but the main defining characteristic is the false gills of the chanterelle. 
So the chanterelle is going to have underneath the cap, it's going to be wrinkly as opposed to actually having defined gills. If you're looking at an orange mushroom and you flip it on, under and look under the hood, um, which you should always do, the gills should be just lumpy wrinkles. With chanterelles, there are things that, that's probably the trickiest one of the foolproof for. People get into trouble with confusing it with uh, Omphalotus illudens, which is the jack-o'-lantern mushroom. The jack-o'-lantern mushroom. It's an orange mushroom that glows in the dark. <laughs> this mushroom has a bioluminescence. It's that glowing property that you see in a lot of sea life. It's a result of an enzyme called luciferase. Like Lucifer. Some people think the name Lucifer is a name for the devil. It actually just means shining one. Much like this glowing mushroom in the dark woods. <laughs> this shining mushroom, it does have a bit of an evil feel to it. You see, it's a deceiver. It looks very much like a chanterelle. Google the two and take a look. They look very, very similar. One blogger writes, I was wandering through the fall woods near Ithaca, New York, when I stumbled upon what looked like a delicious surprise. Growing from a stump in the middle of the woods was what appeared to be a giant bunch of delectable chanterelle mushrooms. I greedily picked up the entire clump, which must have weighed at least five pounds. The mushrooms smelled slightly fruity and inviting, and I was excited to bring them home and fry them up. However, upon closer inspection, and the observations of a trained mycologist, I realized I had made the amateur mistake of confusing the tasty chanterelle with the poisonous jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> These two mushrooms may look alike, but when you take a bite, the results are completely different. Biting into a chanterelle, you would enjoy a delicious, rich, nutty flavor. Ecstasy. Biting into a jack-o'-lantern, that's completely different. Stomach cramps, vomiting, diarrhea, not a mistake you want to make. <laughs> Girls can have evil laughs too. Eating a jack-o'-lantern is not a fun experience, but honestly, it's not the worst mistake you could make in the world of mushrooms. There's far more dangerous mushrooms growing in the woods. The destroying angel and the death caps are the big baddies that you, you don't want to mess with. The destroying angel is a bright white. It's a beautiful mushroom, one of the most beautiful ones you'll find in the woods. It's got a little ring on the, on the stem. It's got white gills, white on the top. It's usually like the most pristine white thing in the woods. It will also destroy your liver and kill you. This is why it's so important 
when you decide to go out foraging, that you learn about the mushrooms or the plants that you're looking for, and you learn about their lookalikes, and you make sure that you have multiple sources when identifying a plant. And this podcast is not one of those sources. So, no, don't. this doesn't count. Sorry. One more great question before we're done. We only got a couple minutes here, Jared. Um, if a person eats the wrong mushroom, what is the treatment? Now, obviously, we're not medical professionals. We're not telling you. But what advice have you heard, Jared? What should someone do if they think they've made a mistake? I would just immediately call poison control. And if, if you're really concerned, just go right to the ER. doing the research for this episode, I stumbled across a story. You can read the article online. It's from the Cornell Mushroom blog. It's called I Survived the Destroying Angel. It's a really long story and a very frightening one. But essentially, you can see the mistakes that this man made. He had some knowledge about mushrooms. He was not an expert, but he felt confident, overconfident in his identification skills. He found some white mushrooms that he should have paid more attention to. He clearly could have identified these as poisonous mushrooms. But he was in a rush and he just grabbed them, brought them home and fried them up. By the next morning, he woke up in big trouble. His body was trying to purge the toxin before it destroyed his liver. You can read his story. He's rushed to multiple hospitals warned that he might have to have a liver transplant. This is serious stuff. You can get into big trouble. Now here's the thing. You guys are listening to a podcast produced by me, a self-proclaimed nervous Nelly, who has already admitted to you that foraging kind of scares me. And as I'm reviewing this podcast and re-editing, I'm listening to it. I'm realizing I am creating the let me scare you out of foraging podcast. I don't want to do that. Jared's been foraging for years. He's found amazing quality food worth hundreds of hundreds of dollars for free out in the woods and enjoyed it every step of the way. So how can you go about having that experience and not one of these gloom and doom scary stories that I happen to find on the internet? Well, you take Jared's advice. You go out there, you find some books, maybe a couple good sites that you can use as reference guides. Find a friend who knows what they're doing. Use multiple sources to identify safe mushrooms, like the Foolproof 4, and in no time you'll be able to enjoy delicious gourmet wild edibles. So Jared, any parting advice to the new, someone who's been inspired tonight, who hasn't been scared away by all the talk of death caps and killer angels, why should <laughs> someone get into uh, there's there's free food out there, you know. When you're talking about chanterelles, those grace the tables at like very high end restaurants. You just have them in your house. You go out for a, a couple hours and bring home these gourmet ingredients. Now, you know you're not going to fill your refrigerator and and totally nourish your, your family with exclusively foraged foods, but you could definitely have a really cool you know, chickweed salad or a, a violet salad, or you know you can use these greens and and 
have an awesome little side dish or, or just enhance all of your meals with flavors from morels or chanterelles or ramps or definitely step up your game in the kitchen. These wild edibles, they're wild in nature. There's something that can't be domesticated. You can't grow them in your gardens. You can't stock up on chanterelle seeds and then each year plant them and harvest. It's something you gotta work for. And that's why they're so special. Like chanterelles, you're not gonna be able to grow chanterelles at home. They need oak trees, they need all this very specific habitat. They just won't, they just refuse to grow in a laboratory. So, you know, a lot of these high-end mushrooms, they're high-end for a reason, because they're really picky about where they grow. And they take people like me going out in the woods and gathering them to sell. Which is why they uh, go for such a high price, right? <laughs> and you can go get them for free. Special thanks to Jared for taking the time to do this interview with us. You can follow all his adventures in mushrooming two different ways. You can follow him on Instagram, The Foraging Beard, and you can follow him on his new YouTube channel, The Foraging Beard YouTube channel, which I gotta say, you know, first couple videos out, Jared's producing some awesome stuff. Most people's first couple videos on YouTube are pretty bad. Jared's are well edited, they're to the point, they're great information, and beautiful scenery. So let's go blow up his YouTube channel. Search The Foraging Beard on YouTube and subscribe. Going out and getting these high-end wild edibles for free. That sounded like something Accountant Mike might be interested in. Is foraging really worth our time? Is it something we should be spending our time doing? Let's find out what Accountant Mike thinks when we come back from a word from our sponsors. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Homesteady Podcast is brought to you by the Homesteady Pioneers. These are the listeners, just like you, who love the show so much that they have decided they want to help us produce it by giving us $5 a month help keep the show going. The Homesteady Pioneers have saved this show's butt. Over time, we've gone through different sponsors, ups and downs, but we're always able to keep producing the show thanks to the Pioneers. So what do they get in return for being members? Well, they get access to the entire Pioneers-only library, which is full of bonus podcasts, videos, and courses. But they also get some discounts from our Homesteady Pioneer vendors, and I have two new ones which I am very excited to announce. If you are planning on planting an orchard like we did here at the Homesteady Farm, then you can get a discount as a Homesteady Pioneer from Dave from Northeast Edible. Dave can do everything from help you design your orchard to provide you with the plants you need and the plan that you need when and how to plant them. 
Dave is an incredible resource. You can get all these services online from his website, northeastedible.com. And if you're a homesteady pioneer, you can get a discount on your entire purchase. Just head to the Pioneers Only Library and click on the tab in the menu that says Discounts. If you're planting an orchard or a food forest, a great plant that you're going to want to put into that food forest is comfrey. And Marsh Creek Farmstead provides a discount to our homesteady pioneers as well. Through their website, you can get comfrey at a reduced price as a homesteady pioneer. Again, just go to thisishomesteady.com, click on the Pioneers tab, and then click on the Discounts tab. And you'll find these two brand new discounts which we've added to the Members Discount section, as well as a whole lot of other discounts for Pioneers only. It's five bucks a month. If you're gonna plant an orchard, this five bucks a month will pay for itself very quickly in your discount that you'll receive from Northeast Edible. And guys, if you're not a member, I still suggest checking out Northeast Edible and Marsh Creek Farmstead for all your food, forest, and homestead orchard needs. Thanks to Dave and John from Northeast Edible and Marsh Creek Farmstead for helping to support the Pioneer Program. Hey, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you loud and clear. How you doing, man? Good. Good. I am okay. It's been a For those of you new to the show, this is Accountant Mike. He's my farm accountant and best friend. And you might say he's the Spock to my Kirk. All logic, all technical analysis, no feeling. And from time to time, we give him a call to bounce ideas off him and see whether or not he thinks these endeavors on our homestead are worth our time. Now, not only is he a technical analysis, logic-driven accountant, but he's also a city boy. And so you can imagine his reaction when I brought up the idea of going foraging. <laughs> so Foraging, okay. So, sure. Hey, Accountant Mike. We wanted to call you up to find out if it was worth our time to go foraging. <laughs> So foraging, okay. So sure. that that was his response. Foraging, right? You, I know you guys have foraged before, right? Because your sister-in-law's into it. So oh, into be it. careful, you, you guys. I have never foraged for anything in my life. <laughs> yes. Has has Leanna? Yes. Has Leanna's sister Vanessa? Definitely yes. <laughs> has Michael? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was like, that's a crazy thing that you're doing. Tell me how it goes. I'll see you later. <laughs> so why did you say, uh, why did you think it was crazy? It just, it, I don't know. I feel like humanity has moved away from foraging for a reason. Like we, you know, <laughs> ah, just, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't interest me enough to feel like it's worth doing it's just ah it's so it's that is one area where i have a real hard time seeing the value in it i get it it's really fresh and it's really good for you and i get that part (sighs) you mean i'm gonna go out there in those woods for like an hour and get bit by a tick (laughs) to like collect some ramps and stuff I don't know about that. <laughs> Not sold on that. Oh, that's good.
going foraging, right? <laughs> you said like there's a reason that we've left, we've moved on from hunter gatherer, right? Probably because you can die. <laughs> <laughs> You're foraging for ramps. There's lily of the valley, which is horrible if you eat it. Right. Uh, with mushrooms, there are mushrooms out there that can kill you. Now, more than likely, there's just stuff out there that, you know, will make you sick or, you know, make you a little bit off. I am, you know me, I'm such a nervous Nelly, right? So I'm a horrible person to bring foraging because I'm always expecting that we're picking the wrong thing and going to kill ourselves. So I'm not a really good forager. So your reason for not wanting to forage is like, I don't want to walk around the woods for five hours getting ticks on me for like two ramps. <laughs> yeah. And getting like my allergies will go off and then I'll just be miserable. And, no, no. Let me throw some numbers at you that might entice you. Probably, probably not going to, but might. No, let me, let me hear it. I'm, I have an open mind. I explained to accountant Mike that I'm not a good example of foraging time well spent. So we couldn't use my numbers. Instead, I emailed Jared to get his. I said, hey Jared, quick question. I may or may not be doing an accountant mic breakdown tonight. What do you get on an average foraging day and how much time spent? Thanks, thumbs up. He says, hmm, that's a tough question. I'll email you some details. Jared is a longtime listener of Homesteady. He knows the Accountant Mike deal. He knows that Accountant Mike isn't swayed by the novel idea of walking around the woods, enjoying nature. Mike just looks at the time spent on an endeavor, the yield, and decides whether or not it was a good choice when deciding what to do with our time. That's why we have him on the show. And so Jared warned me. He said, So I'm not sure you want to open this can of worms, but here goes. Let's talk one specific mushroom. Chanterelles. They start at the end of June and can run as late as the end of August. I would say peak chanterelle season is about four to six weeks on any given year. During that time, I will go foraging at least three times a week for let's say five hours at a time. I would say I brought home a grand total of 50 to 60 pounds of chanterelles last year. Wow. You ready for this? Yeah. You can find prices online anywhere from 20 to $30 per pound. Whoa. So fire up that calculator. Those numbers excited accountant Mike. He whipped out the calculator and started working. So if you sold 50 pounds at $25 a pound is $1,250. Three times a week for five hours at a time. Um, five, so that's 15 hours. So that's 60 hours for 1,250 bucks. So when the dust settled, Jared gets to walk through the woods, enjoying nature, finding wild edibles, and he's earning an hourly rate of... That's just slightly under $21 an hour. $21 an hour to walk through the woods, enjoy beautiful scenes of nature, take photos, and then happen upon delicious wild edibles, which you get to take home and share with your family. That's fantastic. People get paid $20 an hour to do a lot worse. Uh, so, so far this was looking like we might squeeze a thumbs up out of Accountant Mike, but not so fast. 
<laughs> okay, so better numbers there. Now let me keep reading his email. So he says, to get into groceries, I'm pretty much just supplementing our diet with interesting forest foods and not really displacing any groceries. Here's where this really kind of okay. starts to get accountant Mikey, right? The things I bring home are probably not things I would be spending money on anyway. I would love to get to the point where we're eating at least half of foraged foods, but we may need to wait till the kids are gone before that can actually happen. Now, if I was harvesting to sell, he says there's a lot of legal loopholes, but let's say they don't exist. I could easily bring home significantly more poundage, but that would require more time in the woods. Plus, I would have to take a fairly large amount to keep for myself, of course. So he says, I guess the long and short of it, you're definitely not going to get rich foraging. I think it's pretty safe to say every topic we discuss on Homesteady, none of them are a great way to get rich. And that's never really our goal, or at least not getting rich with just money. We want to lead rich lives, lives doing what we love while still having the things we need. But again, Accountant Mike, he just wants to look at the hard numbers. And this is where things take a big turn. Then I get these, this email. He says, I reread your question to answer it directly. Not very much at all. Yesterday I was in the woods for about four hours and came home with four mushrooms. <laughs> he says, that's about okay. right for most of my trips. Oh my God, okay. But at peak times, I'll bring home a lot. And that's maybe 15 very fruitful forages the rest very meager. Okay, ready? Let's Before... do the numbers. Are you? Are you? <laughs> yeah, that's that's not not a good thing. So this is Oof. where, like, this is where this one is kind of. This is why we come to Accountant Mike, right, to do this breakdown because someone like me is always going to go for the four-hour four mushroom. Like that would be good for me to come home with four mushrooms. Um, Jared mm -hmm. has spent just so much time in the woods learning and learning and learning. Now he can go on, if he wanted to, he could go for just the good days and do good, right? He could go in, he could get 50 to 60 pounds over that couple week period of time for five hours a day kind of thing, uh, bring home you know, $20 per hour. And for Jared, Jared's wife is the uh, breadwinner. She's in medical field. Jared was okay. the stay-at-home dad. And uh, now his kids are a little bit older and in school. So here's a guy who says he has a lot of free time on his hands. He spends hours mm. crawling around the woods, hands and knees, just looking for mushrooms. So it totally wow. works for Jared. Even though he's not making money selling it, he just does it as a spare thing. But... Yeah, accountant Mike, you're looking at this thumbs up or thumbs down. You got to factor in A, the time it takes to get good. B, he isn't displacing groceries. So that's a great point. He's not out there foraging bacon and eggs and, you know, lettuce. He's out there foraging mm -hmm. things he didn't eat before. And honestly, I mean, when was the last time you had a chanterelle? Uh, I don't know if I've ever. Is it like a portobello? No. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I've ever had one. How about a morel? Uh, what's that look like? I don't know mushrooms by name. How do you spell this stuff? You've I'll had ramps. Google it right here. Yeah. You've had ramps. You know, you can buy ramps at the farmer's market. Yeah. So, or you can go out. So here's it like for me, right? 
I, I got a ramp patch. I'm going to beep this so nobody hears it on the podcast, but I got a ramp patch. I was driving oh. down the road and I hit the brakes and I looked and I saw a forest full of ramps. I just parked a car, jumped out, grabbed a bunch of ramps, brought them home. It took me 10 minutes and I had, you know, probably I could have had $500 worth of ramps. Eh, I don't know, maybe a little less than that. In, you know, no time at all, I could fill up a bag because there's my spot and I know how to pick them. But if I'm just going out in the woods, I don't have a clue. I don't know where to look. Like it just happens that I know what to look for. And there was a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So with all this in mind, right, you're not displacing groceries. Jared is good. But then on the other days, he does real bad. What are you considering as you do this breakdown? Well, he gave me the big questions I wanted to ask, which is, how easily can you sell this stuff? And he's basically saying not very easily. Okay. And are you saving money by doing this? And if you're not replacing stuff in your diet, then the answer is you're not really saving money. So so this is more in the realm of like, okay, if you want to do it, go for it. And you get the, the other positive benefits of you stay in shape, which is good, and you get to be out in the woods, which is good. I don't know. I feel like you should combine this with, all of your other outdoor activities. Like you should do this while you're hunting. There you go. There's an exactly. idea. Exactly. And a lot of guys uh, I do. Don't, don't see any deers today. I guess I'm coming home. I guess I'm a vegetarian today. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I look when I'm out hunting, I'll keep my eyes peeled for mushrooms, for ramps. Spring in spring, turkey season's in. So yeah. turkey season, if for any of those people who've listened to the shows I've done on turkey hunting, everyone knows I've spent eight years and I've seen no turkeys in the woods all eight years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until this year, my uh, the guy I went hunting with, he shot one. I did not see it get shot, of course. It was behind me. Oh. like fifty. It was like 50 feet behind me and I didn't even get to see it. I just heard <laughs> That's a good point. If you're out trout fishing, if you're out turkey hunting in the springtime, you can look for ramps. You can look for morels. Yeah. Um, you can spend time if you just want to take your dog for a walk and like look for mushrooms. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But accountant Mike, you're not here to tell us that hobbies are fun and go have them. You're here to give something a (laughs) thumbs up or a thumbs down. If it's a good decision, a good way to spend our time economically speaking from a, you know, a penny pinching accountant's perspective from the CFO of your homesteading life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. It's just, it's, it's not there. <laughs> I mean, in, in this guy's peak awesome scenario, in Jared's like peak good scenario, he's still making an okay amount of money, but it's not great, and it's hard to do. So, no, no, no way. So that's a definite thumbs down then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may do it for fun, but no, no. All right, guys. I will not be doing that. (laughs) You will not be doing that for fun. What about if I bring you to my secret ramp patch where you can spend 10 minutes? Sure. Ramps are, yeah, there's something to be said for ramps. Like, I like a good ramp, you know? All right. I mean, don't go go crazy with them. You can go crazy with them. How do you go crazy with a ramp? You put it in stuff where it doesn't belong, you know, like, I mean, because they're kind of oniony ish Oh, they're very oniony. I mean, not like strong oniony, but they've, like, they've definitely got a taste to them, and, and I feel like you can totally be like, oh, let's throw it in this, because we have them, and you could just totally ruin stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, like, don't try to make chocolate with your ramps or something like that. No. <laughs> Ramp infused. And don't try to make chocolate with your mushrooms either, because that won't work either. It would Pretty be much gross, even if it did. Chocolate and foraging kind of, uh, not working. Yeah. All Unless right. you can forage some, you know, oranges or something or salt. Captain Mike certainly knows how to match foods. Remember, he was on Worst Cooks in America, so we can trust his input on what we should use ramps with and what we shouldn't. This gooey, wet nest. I don't know. Would you dry it out first or something? I don't know. You know, um, isn't that bananas foster? Isn't that like bananas and chocolate? I have never eaten a pawpaw. I have no idea if it would be good with chocolate. <laughs> Why are we trying to Watch mix things with chocolate? We're, we're just talking about losing weight. This is why we have a problem. Oh, that's right. You need to go forward, some, and then you can have the chocolate. I'll, I'll get it ready for you. <laughs> Special thanks to Accountant Mike, as always, for taking the time to laugh at our lifestyle and give it a big thumbs down. <laughs> to be fair, he did say he would go foraging with me. You guys heard that, right? Because I'm going to take him next year. We'll make a YouTube video or something. So Accountant Mike gave foraging a big thumbs down. That's okay guys, he gave egg laying chickens a big thumbs down too, and I have like 30 of those in my backyard. At the end of the day, you don't have to listen to Accountant Mike. You can go out and enjoy foraging without his permission. But what you can't do, the point to remember to take away from this episode, is go out without having thoroughly learned about what you're foraging and making sure that what you're feeding yourself and your family is safe. So go ahead and follow the Foraging Beards Instagram account for some inspiration. Then get yourself some books, find a few good websites, maybe even an app, and hopefully a friend who can go along with you who knows what they're talking about. Use three sources when identifying any item in the woods before you feed it to your family. And let's just be honest, it's probably a good idea to stay away from those gilled mushrooms like Jared said. Home Study is produced by myself. Special thanks to Alexia, the suburban escapee. She does a blog post recap for every episode, and she adds her own stories to the recap. You're going to want to check that out at thisishomestudy.com. Editing help from Allison Holly. She's editing from her tiny house homestead in Texas, helping us to produce this show, the quality-driven show, which you all voted for in the survey that we're doing back at the site. My wife Kay handles editorial, I'm Aust, and I'm Homesteady. Until next time, the road is rocky, make Homesteady. Okay, you're going to get a sneak peek of next week's episode, but first I wanted to just tell you, if you want to win a $100 Tractor Supply gift card, we're going to announce the winner on the next episode of Homesteady. Go to thisishomesteady.com and take the survey. We want to know what is more important to you with this show, with our YouTube channel, what do you want us to produce, and most importantly, we're at a dead tie right now, quality versus quantity. Half of you want us to do a weekly show and you don't care if it's not as good as like this one that we just produced. The other half are like, no, quality is what you guys do best. Stick with that. So go help us win that battle, quality or quantity. Which team are you on? 
Go to thisishomesteady.com, fill out that survey. One of you will win a $100 tractor supply gift card, which we'll announce in the next episode of Homesteady, which will be about the only topic Accountant Mike has ever been excited about talking. Well, Accountant Mike, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll get no you problem. back. Uh, I think, oh, ready for this? I think next month's episode is going to be on hydroponics, which I know you were like kind of interested in, right? I like hydroponics. Yeah, I'm so, fan of that stuff. I am. It's going to be a hot summer. We're going to douse you in water, water, water. <laughs> and you can Google that. <laughs> right. It's safe. I just read that it's safe for you. Is it safe so for consumption go- in certain amounts? It, yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs>